Too often, faith becomes more about who is in and who is out or about who belongs and who does not. But in order for spirituality to be good for anyone, it has to be good for everyone. In this podcast, we find incredible people using their faith and life as a catalyst for goodness in this world. Be inspired to discover your own goodness in order to make your life, your family, your community, and your world better. Hey, welcome to the Chasing Goodness Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kinzara. Great to be with you as always. As many of you who listen to this podcast often know, I just haven't had a lot of time to book guests for this show (laughs) recently in the last couple of months, just because of a lot of life circumstances. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've been missing it a little bit and I've been getting tired of just hearing my own voice. And so I thought, okay, well, this week, I still don't have a new guest, although I'll be working on that for the fall, but I wanted to dig back and, and I was thinking, okay, who were some of the the people that I had on within this last year that I just had like so much fun having a conversation with them? And so I did a couple things. I made, I made a list. I'm not going to tell you who's all on that list, but I made a list of some of the interviews that I had that I just really, really enjoyed. And then I went back and I looked over the numbers. And the cool thing is, I, I thought it was cool anyway, the interview that I had that I think without a doubt I enjoyed more than maybe any interview I've ever done before was also the one that you liked the best as well because it was the one that has had the most downloads out of the last year of this podcast. So what I'm going to do is do a replay of that because if you missed it, I don't want you to miss it because it was number one, it was a lot of fun. Number two, I learned a lot. Number three, I heard from a lot of people how much they appreciated the conversation. So enjoy this replay of the episode called Intersection based on the book by Cynthia Vaca Davis. And this is my interview with Cynthia and also Danny Cooper, who is the person who is highlighted in Cynthia's book. So enjoy. So excited, Cynthia and Danny, to have you on the show with me. I read the book Intersection. I couldn't put it down. I think I read the entire book in about two days. I loved wow. the I loved the book. I loved the story. I fell in love with Danny. I'm just so and Aww. and so when I reached out to Cynthia, Danny, I was excited. Don't get me wrong, Cynthia, you're spectacular. <laughs> but I was like, please, Lord, let Danny be able let to Danny come on there. the interview. I, I was so, like that too. We were we were cheering together for Danny to come and interview. <laughs> yes, you're, you're loved, Danny. So you I'm going to, I'm, I'm used to just having one person on these interviews. So I'm going to go with each of you individually. I'll try to point the questions at you specifically, but Cynthia, why don't you, we start with you and just have you introduce yourself a little bit. Hi there. Um, great. I am Cynthia Baca Davis and I am a, uh, a writer, of course, also a professor at Christopher Newport University. I teach, um, well, I teach freshmen and I teach uh, the freshman sophomore composition courses, but I'm also helping to launch a new journalism program there. We have a new journalism minor and that's uh, that's the project that's my main job right now. So um, my background's in narrative nonfiction. Uh, so I, I, you talked about stories when we first came on. I love stories. I think stories are so powerful and 
all of my work is kind of around either telling stories, helping other people to tell stories, helping people to tell their stories in the best possible way they can, because I think that there is a tremendous power in stories. Absolutely. Danny, how about you? Just give us a little, little, uh, 30 second background. (laughs) Uh, yeah, sure. Danny Cooper. And, um, I, uh, see, I don't know what, what's exciting about me. I, I love music, um, love sports, uh, and love, uh, hanging out with friends and family, uh, playing board games. It's one of our, one, one of my fun things to do. It's one of our connections with, yeah. um, with, with the Davises. Um, I say ours, mine and my wife's connections with the, with the Davises. And, uh, yeah, so just, uh, uh you know, I love, I love living life and enjoying it with friends and family. Um, that's, I don't know what else, what else should I say? You did did better with that than I did. Cause I was all like worky work and you're just like, Hey, I'm a fun person. (laughs) (laughs) You actually said the things that matter, Danny. Usually when people ask us those questions, we're like, well, this is what I do for a living. And this is how I make myself sound good. And you're like, I just love life. And I like like my friends and family. Yeah. You, you rock that one. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, so Danny, Cynthia comes to you at some point in your story and says, Hey, Danny, how about I write a book about you? How does that, how does that conversation go down? <laughs> Just give me a little bit of background there. Yeah. So that, that's a great question. So, um, yeah, so she, she asked me, she was working on her MFA and, um, and quite honestly, I had no idea what that even meant at the time. <laughs> I was going to ask, but then I thought maybe I would look like the dumb one in the, in the pain here. So what's a, what's Master the, of fine arts. Obviously. Right. You, right. Um, you can get that obviously. in visual art and other things, but mine was in narrative nonfiction, which is good. stories. Good. Good. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. So she, she said she needed to, um, she was working on trying to, to find a, a, something that she could really focus on for, for her MFA project and asked if, if she could tell my story. And I said, sure. Um, yeah, no problem. I, I didn't see a problem with it. And, uh, kind of started from there. I, I felt like, um, it's kind of odd cause I still feel this way that, you know, my story is, uh, it, it, it's strange to me that other people would want to hear my story, I guess is the, you know, <laughs> yeah. So that, that's kind of how it started. Um, yeah, and then we started uh, meeting like twice a week at at her house, and just kind of walking through, just telling different stories, and um, as she scribbled on her paper or typed on her computer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so same same question to you, Cynthia. I guess what uh, you know, you could have written about anything. I know yeah. you and Danny had a relationship at this point, but what was it that you just felt because you? This cost you, we'll get into this, but this cost you a lot. So yeah. what was it that made you think this is, this is what I need to do? So I remember it just, just ever so slightly different than Danny does. I mean, isn't it funny with stories? We all have our own version of them because I was really scared to, to approach Danny's story. I had a lot of, um, trepidation being a, um, just a cisgender, um, average suburban, you know, wife and mother, I, I had some trepidation about carrying Danny's story. And yeah, I, I was in my MFA program and the original plan that I had was I wanted to be a humor writer, writing humor essays. And I still love humor, but I had a really, um, 
just a dark and morose professor who um, didn't like anything funny. And he just kept telling me I had to write darker um, stories with just more edge to them. And um, he wasn't the nicest person in the world. So I was literally getting ready to like, I don't know what to do. So I, ha- I we owned a piece of property out in the country and I was just going to put up a shack and do a survival story because I'm just like, there, there's got to be something in there. I'll have some insights or something. And then um, <laughs> a lot of things started happening with Danny. And the way I recall it is one night um, we were sitting around um, and uh, someone said, no one would believe this story. No one would believe Danny's story. It's just not like, it's just not the kind of thing you could even make up. And um, my husband pipes up and said, oh, my wife could write it. And I just kind of smacked him. I'm just like, I can't write Danny's story. But inside of Chris, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> that, would, that would be something to write about. And then uh, Danny's like, yeah, write it, whatever. And um and I was just, I had a combination of excitement and, and fear. And I'm thinking at first, well, I'll just do some research around intersex. I'll share the things that Danny's comfortable sharing. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe this will just be kind of like an academic project is what I'm thinking at first. Um, and that's kind of how it started. Things snowballed from there, but that's how I remember it starting. But yeah, it was, we were in the living room and we're just was like, okay let's, write my story <laughs> let's do this thing that sounds <laughs> great <laughs> now now you brought it up uh, uh briefly there so the reason this story i think is interesting to a lot of people is because danny is intersex and so before we go any farther i'm i guarantee you there's half the listening audience right now like googling it so just danny <laughs> danny why don't you tell us what that means Sure, sure. So it can mean a lot of things. There's a lot of variations. Kind of, there's a spectrum of what intersex means, but uh, typically it's it's something that you you have both male and female, whether it's um, the chromosomes or uh, parts that are both male and female. Um, it, it's a it's a wide spectrum, and, and there's more people out there than you realize that are intersex. Um, than uh, than you would expect. So, um, and and I think a archaic word, um, and I would say a no no word in the community would be hermaphrodite. That's the that's what people go. Oh, okay, now I understand. So, unfortunately, that's the word that that people can identify with. But um, but again, even that word doesn't quite um, identify everyone who's in intersex. Um, yeah, I, I can. I recall a, a, an article I read <clears throat> about uh, a woman in in London who was going to get married, and they apparently they they test chromosomes, and um, that's how she found out that she was intersex. They told her you can't marry. That this was before gay marriage was was legalized, and they told her you can't marry this man be, uh, because you are male. And she's like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> So the, it's it's you know, there's some some people who don't even know they're intersex um, out there as well. So it's a very like I said, very wide spectrum. Um, but definitely Google it, uh, look at it, <laughs> uh, find out more about it. It's I think it's important. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things, you know, based on what you were just saying, Danny, is that it's not always obvious. And a lot of times, and some of the things that I've heard about it, this is years ago, but is that sometimes even, um, and this is maybe a couple of decades ago, that there was, you know, doctors were actually making the decision of, you know, this yes. is going to be the boy, this is going to be a girl. Sometimes right. not even with a lot of parent inter- intervention in that conversation, sometime with, sometime without, but then 
boy, you guess wrong when, when that baby comes into the world, there might be a lot of problems, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, Cynthia, you know what I loved about this book? I, I like, like I said, I love a great story. I fell in love with Danny. I fell in love with you too, Cynthia, but you know, it's Danny, it's Danny's story, right? Danny, right? Uh, (laughs) But the part, uh, I was, I was just talking about this book with, with my child last night because I was excited about this interview. And I said, you know, the part about the book that I love is it doesn't get all buttoned up and there's not a bow at the end of it. It's so it's messy from start to finish. And that is just how real life is. I don't care if we're talking about people who are intersex or people who are cisgendered or just life in general is not perfect. It's messy. And even by the end of the book, you, it, there's not like this great resolve. Like there's the, the story resolves itself in some ways by some of the decisions you made, Danny, but the story is still kind of everybody trying to figure yeah. out how to, to move forward alongside your story, which is what I love. And Cynthia, like so much humility that you brought to this because the whole time, as you're sharing your story along with it, you're not afraid to talk about the progression that you had. So share a little right. bit with with everybody because you you're a good little christian girl for a while there and then then what happened (laughs) so much happened so much happened so yeah you're right the story does not end with the little bow because that was one of the challenges was like how do i bring this in for a landing because i was writing this over like a six-year period and i'm like is the story complete where what do we call complete how do we bring this in because i felt for a long time i'm still living the story so i don't know how to wrap it up but um at the opening um i think when me writing danny's story for an academic um, thesis turned into what we call intersection um now because our story is intersected um, that happened, that, that event was what just kind of took us on the journey of authenticity. And I realized very quickly from, uh, like probably less than a week from when I adopted this project of, I'm going to write about intersex to, um, actually living part of the adventure that happened in about a week because I had to, um, I had to make a choice of if I was going to truly support Danny or pay a big price for it. And I think once you start asking yourself those questions, that's how you start to find out, Hey, maybe I am compromising a lot of things that I feel inside just to fit in, in these Christian communities, because Christian community depends a lot on conformity. It depends a lot on following the right rules. And those rules change from church to church and from institution to institution. And you have to sign up. Sometimes very literally, you have to sign on to a certain code of conduct to be a member in good standing in these communities. Um, Whether that's a church or whether it's, um, as I found out, a a university, um, there's code of conduct that comes with being this good Christian girl. And that's when I started um, kind of unraveling all these things like, what do I really feel inside? What is really going on inside of me? And what aspects of myself and my thinking am I just trying to fit into these boxes? 
Yeah, no, I, I just appreciate it from front to back. You just were, uh, it was just, you were honest, which is incredible. Now, Danny, you, as you were growing up, your parents raised you as a girl and now you are your true self living as a man. Talk about maybe a little bit about when that really started creating problems in your life. When you started to realize, Hey, wait a second. Like everything just feels like it's tipped on tipped upside down for me. Yeah, I, I would say uh, since I was probably as long as I can remember, it's been a problem. <laughs> That's something that uh, I always felt like I was a boy, and um, and my family would constantly remind me, "No, you're a girl." And um, and I remember a conversation I had with my sister. She would say, "You know, you're a girl." And I'd say, "No, I'm a boy," and we'd have this conversation. And then I'd say. Well, when I grow up, I'm going to be a boy. <laughs> you tell me I'm a girl now. When I grow up, I'm going to be a boy. Um, and uh, that struggle was always there. And um, I think that conformity is something that I struggled with, especially coming into teenhood when everything's changing for me. And um, and then even becoming a, a young adult, that, that need for conformity and acceptance became stronger and stronger that I tried to be something that I'm not. And, and that's where trouble really flips it upside down and, and really made things hard for me as far as life is concerned. So, yeah, because you as well were operating inside of the church, grew up in a very faith filled, uh, you know, family and you were engaged in the church all the time and you were a leader. I mean, you were, you were doing the deal in this whole while, you know, if you were outside of that living your, your true life, it still would have been a a challenge. Right. But then inside of faith circles, especially conservative faith circles, like your story is, um, it just (laughs) takes that on to a whole nother level. But when did your, if you don't mind me asking, like, when did your parents know that you were intersex? When I told them. Okay. Yeah. Which, which was, <laughs> which was when you were how old? Uh, when I was, um, 44. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so on, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's the other part about this book. I love that sometimes we want to villainize the people that aren't allowing others to, to be right. the true expression of themselves, but you know, Cynthia, you did a great job of even writing the little pieces about Danny's engagement with his family and things like that. You never, you never villainize them because, you know, they too are trying to figure out how to love Danny as best as they can. And they have a certain construct that they're living in as well. And so everybody that's represented in the book is represented, I think, honestly, and fairly, even the jackasses at the place that you were working, (laughs) you know, even those guys, you did a pretty good job with. Thank you. I mean, I was yelling at the book saying, Cynthia, you just say it how it is, but you did a very good job of being being helpful and honest. Well, the one thing I did take away from the horrible, gloomy professor in my MFA program is he says, no one can be accretion. That was the word he used. Like you just, you have to humanize everybody. And this was just something he told across the board was they're really, if you're telling a human story, you're telling a story that, um, you know, no one is a hundred percent the villain, um, even if you want them to be. So that was one thing I did take away because a lot of us in that program were writing about, uh, a lot of darkness because that was what we were encouraged to write about. And, <laughs> and, uh, we had to humanize people and, and I, I'm glad that that came across. Yeah, it, it absolutely did. And I think such a great point 
a lot of us who are maybe transit who have maybe like for me in the last decade of transitioned out of like evangelical Christian spaces. And your first response is always to want to villainize 100% the other, right. but then that just makes us just as bad as what we experienced, you know? Right. And so nobody's a hundred percent the villain. We're all trying to figure this out. You know, nobody's right. all bad. Nobody's all good. Yep. Um, except Danny seems to be all good. Yeah. Right. So, so Danny, talk a little bit about you had this moment when you just kind of, I mean, it was longer than a moment for sure, but you had this yeah. time in your life when you decided, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be out to the world as who I truly am. Talk a little bit yeah. about what made you, what caused you to, to make that decision. And then yeah. a little bit about the challenge that came with that. Sure. Um, so I, I started having, when I was 43, started having a lot of physical problems and, um, and had a few surgeries and, uh, this is just other complications. My health was not good. Um, just a lot of things were just not going well and didn't seem, I didn't understand why. And my, my doctor confronted me and said, Hey, um, so do you identify as male or female? And, and, um, you know, I think a lot of intersex folks can identify a lot of people. They either, they either <clears throat> doctors will either try to see you as like a freak show and want to experiment on you, or they completely ignore it altogether. And, um, this is the first time a doctor was, was kind and wanted to know where, where are you? What, what do you, what do you, where are you at? And what do you identify with? And, I said, I identify as male. So he said, well, why are you continuing to live as female? This is, this is not good for you mentally, emotionally, physically. And, um, so started to really think about that more. And, um, at that point it's, uh, it's kind of when I started just kind of rattling through my brain, this is, this is, uh, it's got a point here. This is, <laughs> um, and, uh, at that point I started meeting, um, a few months later, it just became, it just wrestled with it more and more and more, uh, realizing just, you know, how unhappy I am, how unhealthy I am. And, um, started meeting with a life coach to, to kind of say, look, I think I'm at this point where I need to make this transition and I have no idea how to do this and, or that I have the strength or confidence to do it. And, um, she began walking me through and, and building me up to, to make that transition uh, a reality. And uh, it seems so weird that that's who I was at that, at that time. It seems like a, a lifetime ago and <laughs> I can't imagine making any other decision um, because it was just immediate. Once I made that decision, just my body responded well. Um, I was healthier again. Um, just, you know, it took, it took over a year or two to, to get the full health back, but, um, but things just started clicking as soon as I made that switch and decision to fully become fully male and, and, um, and live my life that way. It, it changed me emotionally, physically, mentally. Yeah. And I think that's often the piece especially in like conservative faith circles, the piece that's often overlooked is yeah. we, we as a, we as human beings like to make things black and white. It just makes sense to our mind. Right. And so when we talk about, 
you know, intersects when we talk about people who are gay, when we talk about people or anything other than what we're comfortable with sometimes <laughs> as a culture, um, we try to make it black and white. And I think this is a great story of just showing that, Hey, this is about way more than just what is, you know, what we're thinking about externally as a, as a physical reality in our lives. Right. There's so much that has to do with our mental health. And when our mental health is poor, that obviously feeds into our physical health even. Right. And so, you know, it, it's crazy that we think that because of some sort of belief in the Bible or whatever, that we can make decisions for people that are going to cause them <laughs> super huge amounts of trauma and mental struggle throughout their lives. When instead we could offer people the opportunity to do it. You did Danny, which you just took it. I mean, people didn't offer it to you. You just took that opportunity <laughs> to be yourself. And, yeah. um, and, and, you know, it changed your life forever, which is so beautiful. Yeah. 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 Now, one of the things I want to, and I believe, I believe I got this out of the book. So tell me if I'm crazy, but you know, when we, when we talk about people who are not straight, uh, we always, we put, we put all the letters together, LGBTQ. And I don't know if people just run out of ability to keep those letters <laughs> going, but we almost never put the I and the A or the plus on it. Right. And so I, on this podcast, I want to make sure that we're doing that to honor you, Danny, and to honor everybody that are in, who are in these communities who mm -hmm. rep are represented by this. And I know that just, it, 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 it caused, I had to pause. It was cause for pause for me. And I had to say, I'm that guy. I'm that guy that's too lazy to add. I, I know the other letters. I'm not putting them on there. And, uh, and so everybody listening, you have to include the, uh, the I and the, the A as well, uh, so that we yes. make sure that everybody's represented and, uh, maybe sometime we'll have a much better idea and we'll come up with a term that covers everything we're trying everybody, to say, but yeah. we don't, we don't, <laughs> we don't right, right now. now. <laughs> Cynthia, what's your hope, um, for, somebody who's who's reading this book i know it, it didn't necessarily start with this idea that it's going to go out there into the public but uh it is so right. what, and, what's your hope? Uh, it, and by the way when this podcast comes out those listening uh you have one week to pre-order it and then it's out for reals so for it's real. coming out in a week here from when this podcast launches which in the exact date cynthia is august, august 2nd. 2nd okay august 2nd so, is launch day <laughs> so if you're listening to this after august 2nd then just go buy the book if you're listening to this podcast when it comes out, go and pre-order the book so Cynthia knows she's going to sell a bunch of books. So what... Pre-orders are so important to writers, and we're offering just a little tiny incentive. Um, there are some... Uh, there's, there's a little subtext of food, and there's some mention of some uh, really uh, wonderful brownies, and we're giving away some recipes um, from some oh, of the. You got me. I thought foods. like you were gonna bake for all of the pre-orders, oh. and I'm gonna be like, just a second, I gotta. I thought I was gonna get brownies delivered to my door. So, oh my gosh! <laughs> so, You're gonna have to make them yourself, but I'll oh, give okay, you okay. I make tools, a mean brownie. I make a mean brownie. Um, so, Cynthia, what would be your hope now that this is going out into the hands of the public? What would be your dream and your hope for this book and this story? That everyone, regardless of where they are or aren't on that LGBTQI spectrum, or whether you are just a just vanilla person who is not um, represented by one of the letters, regardless of who, are, who you are, I hope that people will be encouraged to um, step into their own um their own skin and be comfortable in their skin and ask themselves the hard questions. Who am I? What do I like to do? Who do I want to be? Um, and start 
taking steps to live in that authentic place because I don't think many people truly do. I know I wasn't living the most authentic version of myself until I went through this experience. So I think that is my greatest hope. And for people like Danny, um, who maybe haven't had that courage yet um, to, to step out, um, because they're afraid because they're, you know, in danger, maybe and they're, they're afraid of what might happen. I hope that they are encouraged that there is a path to authenticity um, and that Danny would give them some, uh, maybe a role model, you know, Danny would give them some, some encouragement that there's life after that fear and that, um, that really lonely place of having a secret that no one knows. Yeah, that's so good. First of all, I think I just got called vanilla. I think I think you said I was one of the vanilla people because I'm just a <laughs> normal old straight white guy. I'm vanilla um, too. Vanilla is a great flavor. Hey, thank you, thank you, Danny. <laughs> thank you for that. And I do appreciate <laughs> I do appreciate what you said, Cynthia, because it's so true. You pick up this book wanting to hear Danny's story. You put it down evaluating your own story. And that's what a great story does. It challenges you to think about where you are, what part of your life, you know, is not honest. Danny, can you watch one of the things I, I, um, I was encouraged by at first and then just kind of pissed off at by the time it kind of played itself out is you were a part of a church community when you decided to share who you truly are with the world. And at first that church family, um, seemed to embrace it. And then as yeah. time went on, that, that that just didn't quite work out how you you thought it was going to work out. You're reading the book. You're like, oh, this is so beautiful. And then it's, yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, about that and, and how maybe challenging that was for you, um, just even watching that unfold. Yeah, I think um, if that had happened at first, I think it probably would have derailed me a bit. Um, so I'm thankful that it didn't happen at first. <laughs> um, the, the immediate support that I received was really crucial at that time for me. And, um, and so I do appreciate that. And then, uh, but it, it's disheartening and, and confusing when people begin to backtrack and say, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't what quite what I, um, what I signed up for, um, I don't quite understand anymore. I don't believe this anymore. And, um, unfortunately it's happened with friends and family. Um, and it's, it's happened, you know, with, with some of my church, former church family. And, um, it's unfortunate it, it and those relationships that you thought were strong uh, kind of get fractured and, and it's confusing. Um, so I, I hope that, uh, and I know they were struggling with their own ideas and, and trying to reconcile this, this, oh, unfortunately, a lot of the evangelical church really thinks in black and white. And that is kind of the problem is recognizing that there is some gray and you've got to wrestle with that gray to, to really understand more of what the black and white's all about, um, is, is hard. And I understand uh, doesn't make it hurt any less, but I understand the struggles that people have in in trying to reconcile it within within their belief systems and what they grew up with, and um, yeah. But unfortunately, it still hurts, and um, 
Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I'm answering your question. You totally <laughs> are, and 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 what I what I thought about as I was reading that part of your story, the part with some of your church family and the part with some of your friends and things like that, is that it's obvious. It was obvious to me in reading the book that their friendship was based on something that was. I mean, it was more important that they were. How do I say this? It was more important to them that they had what they felt like they needed as opposed right. to just accepting you as a, as a, you know, somebody that truly is who you truly are. And as soon as, as soon as you stepped outside of what was comfortable or helpful for them, then in some cases, I mean, people like straight up left, which, yeah. and, and that too caused me, you know, and this is why it was such a great book, Cynthia, that too caused me to think about, okay, in my relationships, in my life, which relationships am I truly allowing people to be who they are and which ones do I, am I trying to make them something I want them to be, whether that's for my kids, friends, wife, what, whatever. So, and Cynthia, you're a part of this, right? So what you're with Danny, you know, a a long part of this journey as well. Um, and so you saw everything that was going on, obviously. Um, was there ever a point when this was just really difficult for you? Or honestly, was there ever a point when you were like, I don't know if I can, you know, stay connected with Danny in this way? <laughs> well, you know, I I did not have that point of not wanting to stay connected to Danny because I think I doubled down. Like I realized um, th- during that first week when, when Danny and I met at a, um, and my husband, my husband Brad was involved in this. We met at a sandwich shop uh, one day. And this is when Danny, you know, told us his story that he wasn't, I thought Danny was female. I thought Danny was, um, cause he was living with a female partner. So I thought he was a lesbian. And, um, that day that Danny told me, um, his truth and asked for support, and I told him, yes, um, you know, I realize he's about to do something that's going to change his life forever. It, we don't know how it's going to go. He could lose a lot. And I said, I would be there. I said, I would be part of that safe space support team. So then when I'm challenged now at work, um, which we haven't really talked about yet, but I was kind of challenged in my support for the LGBTQIA community. I realized that I couldn't be an authentic person saying, Danny, I'm going to support you. And then also work for an organization that was actively lobbying against Danny and several other of my friends who weren't, as we said, vanilla. (laughs) So um, I think that I realized that I had made a decision that there wasn't any um, turning back from. So, um, anything that was happening to Danny and any pulling away of support, I, I was, I was involved with that. Like it was, it was also affecting me because, um, we were, we kind of, um, once, once things got rolling, we we became all very good friends, my husband and Danny and me. And then, uh, then Danny started dating somebody and he's married to now. And we all became really good friends. And it seemed like, all the shade that the sh- the church was throwing was at our our group as a whole. <laughs> so we were yeah. definitely in the trenches with it. Yeah, no, I love you know that's a, I I often tell people um I've got, you know, kids who are in the LGBTQIA+ crew and um it's a it's one thing to support from a distance. Mm-hmm. Uh you don't understand truly 
what goes along with uh, with working through the reality of that in this culture. Right. <laughs> as the you cost of allyship. Yeah. There's a cost. Yes. Yes. And, and it's hard to understand unless you're in it with somebody, which I appreciate you and your husband, Cynthia, doing that for Danny, because at least Danny had somebody, right. Which is so important. Um, and I, you know, when I, when I started this podcast, it was a kind of an angsty podcast for people coming out of <laughs> evangelical Christianity. And I then mean, we it changed. happens, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And one of the things I used to talk about a lot and I'll bring it back up here is that when you when you do step into your what you truly believe and who you truly are in this situation um there's 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 always a cost <laughs> it just yes. is i lost almost you know the vast majority of my friends i lost i lost my community just just for saying what i really believed and yes, danny in your terrifying. situation <laughs> you're not talking about what you believe danny you're just saying this is in every way, shape, or form, actually, who I am. And so, um, Cynthia, first of all, let's let's talk a little bit about what you lost. Then, Danny, you can think about this a little because sure. I know you you lost a lot. And so, I want you to think about you know what parts of that you'd like to share. But Cynthia, I mean, share a little bit. I mean, I don't want to give away the entire book, but at least right. share a little bit about how much you lost just by um, deciding not only to support Danny but to support anybody who's in Danny's shoes, really. Right, right. Yeah, so I was um, I was at a point in my life where professionally I was an adjunct. Um, adjuncts are like the itinerant migrant workers of academia. Um, you don't have any stability. You often um, work multiple places, at, um, teaching multiple kinds of classes. And at this point, I'm still in my MFA program. So I am driving a circuit um, from this a school where I was um, doing my MFA to um, school where I was uh, had been teaching for a couple of years. And then I had a new opportunity to cross over a state line into North Carolina and teach some classes there. So I'm just going on this loop um, um, around these three universities and as an adjunct and just uh, inside hoping something good would come of it, hoping that maybe one of the schools would see some value in what I was doing and offer me a real job. And um, I'm just, just thinking at least, you know, when I finish my MFA, you know, there might be an opportunity for me. And it's mid-semester. It's like late October while I'm doing this. And the school in North Carolina, which was a Christian school, tiny, tiny little place, they said, guess what? We've had an audit and we have an immediate need for a tenure track professor in English. And you're here and, and you're just barely qualified because um, I don't have my MFA yet. Right? And, Let's not um, fool ourselves, Cynthia. You weren't qualified at all, really. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Let's just bring it on. Yeah. Let's yeah, just let's, we're being honest today. We're Cynthia. Being honest. Come on. Not qualified. Really not the sharpest candidate. No, because really people. No, you were the sharpest candidate. You just weren't qualified. <laughs> just right. wasn't qualified. I mean, people with PhDs and tons of, of publication history. I mean, they're scrapping away to get these um, national searches to get a tenure track position is just not something that happens. And then, you know, for me, I'm a totally late bloomer. I'm over 40 now in, in this MFA program, which and, you know, <laughs> so I've got this late start. And uh, then out of the woodwork, it's, it's just being offered to me on a silver platter. And a tenure track job is permanent security. Um, it takes a lot to be fired from a tenure track job. And um, 
and it allows you to really set down some roots and have a community, which I, I value. I'm a person who really wants community and I want to know who my people are. So this was just this gift from the heavens. Suddenly you can be a tenure track professor. (laughs) Um, And I was going through a, a series of interviews that were build as formalities and we got to the paperwork part and this was all going to happen. It was the day that it was all going to happen. Um, I was going to basically leave campus as a tenure track professor. And I, uh, was told that there'd be some paperwork and, Oh, by the way, there's one more thing we haven't really talked about, but it was what was called a marriage and family statement. And the marriage and family statement had just been drafted because uh, on the heels of Virginia legalizing gay marriage, it wasn't federal yet. So Virginia, the neighboring state, had legalized gay marriage. And North Carolina is like, mm, we better set something down on paper about how we feel about this in case this scourge comes to North Carolina. And they drafted this <laughs> marriage and family statement. And they literally listed every potential, as they would say, lifestyle it wasn't uh, heterosexual um, cisgender marriage between you know a, a man and a woman. It was, um, and they listed like they were they were reaching. They were listing everything they knew about, and they said all of these types of lifestyles are repugnant and offensive to God and the principles of the university. And I ha- I was being asked to sign this as a condition of working there. And I, even as an adjunct, like if I did not take this job, I wasn't even going to be allowed to work there as an adjunct anymore. This was the new policy. And I was told, you know, sign this. And uh, that was the decision I had to make. Do I want this professional opportunity that is um, everything I really was dreaming about and wanted? Or do I support Danny and all my other friends and actually be a consistent person in every arena of my life? Yes. Yes. Hmm, I wonder what she did, Danny. Mm. I'll have to read the book to find out. Uh, Same question to you, Danny. So um, just stepping out and being honest with yourself and everybody around you, um, you know, what did it cost you, but maybe more importantly, what did it, uh, what did it bring to you? You know, cause it's not all about what we lose. A lot of it is about what we gain. More of it is about what we gain. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I went into the process, um, bracing myself, preparing myself for the fact that I could lose my job. I could lose my family. I could lose my friends. I could lose my church. Um, that was what I was prepped for prepping for. Um, and, actually surprised um i i count myself very blessed um and very fortunate for some reason to have uh the support that i do have and that my family um most of my family supports me and um that i did receive a lot of warmth and support um from my workplace from uh initially from my church from initially from my family and it was um it just continued to shock me as I was going through that. And of course, as time goes on, some of those things changed. Um, but work, work was always a safe place, which I have friends in, um, who, uh, are in the trans community and did not have that same, um, 
experience and it, it saddens me they you know they experience death threats and things like that so i was prepared based on their stories you know this could could go very wrong and um but i've been very fortunate and not sure why maybe because i can't handle it like they can <laughs> but uh, very fortunate that i did not have those types of things but i think the key through all of it is and this is something that i would encourage and i call it the alphabet community so i don't miss anybody <laughs> so uh, the key is if, if you're part of the alphabet community or is you know when you're ready to tell your story when you're ready to step out um to really take the time to build a a support group that was something that my life coach made sure of uh, and brad and cindy were part of that beginning of building that community to stand behind me so that when things fall and when things go wrong, you you have a safe place to go to and you have people that you can trust and go back to to get refreshed and realize you're doing the right thing and you're being yourself and that's okay and that they're going to support you and love you no matter what. And that's really key because it, it's very scary to step out. And when you do that, you expose yourself and that is very scary because <laughs> you're either going to be accepted or rejected and, and you're expecting rejection. It's, it's awesome when you, when you have the acceptance, but the rejection, you know, it's, it's kind of like anything else in life. The one bad thing you can have a million things go right, but the one bad thing is what sticks out in your head and that could just knock you over. So having that community to fall back on and say, um, this is my core group and, they know me and they know the truth and they're going to support me no matter what is key. So love it. So good. So again, intersection is a book coming out August 2nd, Cynthia and Danny. Thanks for being here. Last question. I'll ask you first, yeah. Cynthia, and then on to Danny. This is just the question I ask everybody to end the podcast. Cynthia, where do you see hope in our world today? Oh, <laughs> Ooh, I had to write question. an essay about that, as I believe you did too, Matt. I think I skipped it. I don't think I did it. Don't tell David, though. We work with, for those listening. We work with the same publisher, uh, Lake How Lake Drive Books. By the way, you're going to be seeing a lot more from them, I think, coming up. But uh, yes, so. our publisher asked us. Um, so Matt skipped the assignment. <laughs> um, I. You know, it's funny because I am a realist. I label myself as a realist. And in our world today, we're seeing a lot that's not very hopeful. And um, my therapist um, was kind of working with me on this idea of, of hope because um, I had kind of a, a tragedy in my personal life and I'm looking for hope for it. And he said, you know, I'm not sure if that's the goal to find hope. Sometimes the greatest hope is to give up hope. And that didn't really sit well with me at first, but I, the more I started thinking about it is when we're always hoping for something else, we're missing the now we're missing the beautiful moments in the here and now. And I started to adopt this philosophy called yes and yes um this horrible thing has happened yes our world seems to be falling apart most days and there's also this beautiful sunny day there's also this um wonderful glass of wine and a beautiful salad on my patio yes there's there's beauty and there's not <laughs> so i think that hope for me is acknowledging the beauty in now and the possibilities. I think gratefulness 
um, gratefulness for what I have with a layer of possibility for what could come. That's the closest to hope that I think I've ever been. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Danny, how about with you? I think it's seeing, um, like being a part of this right now, uh, what you're doing, Matt, and what Cindy's doing, that gives me hope. Um, and also seeing, you know, I had a, a church that, um, after the church in the book, um, found a, a church family that uh, had a pastor who I completely um, just have the utmost respect for. And she is in the community, has a child who's in the community, and um, is an advocate, an ally. And to see her building that faith community with other like-minded individuals, pastors, priests, um, and, and building those communities wherever she goes is encouraging for me to see uh, faith in practice the way it should be. And that is encouraging to me. That gives me hope that, um, <laughs> that faith can be a, a core in our community and can be lived out in a way that is true and and is exciting and contagious to to those around them thanks for listening everyone thank you for cynthia and danny for coming on the show last year and if you want more information on cynthia or her books or anything she's working on right now just go to cynthiabacadavis.com and you can keep track of everything she has going on and until next time let's keep chasing goodness together Thank you.